shamatha with objects. So we have an object and that object can be any object of the five senses plus the mental consciousness. So it can be also a mental image. In the Tibetan tradition, that's actually one of the main objects to develop shamatha is uh, mental images. For example, the mental image of your teacher or of Tara or of, of a Buddha. So that's usually the the, uh, the the way in the Tibetan tradition how they cultivate shamatha using a mental image. I want to now uh, suggest to you uh, uh, an object for this meditation, which is probably many of you have not explored, and but it is a very interesting object, and maybe I will talk about this uh, object or this way of practicing uh, at one later point. And that is the after images in your eyes after you have looked at light. Yeah? And we will just do it short time. I just want to open the possible the possibilities of working with an object in meditation to a, to something which many people haven't done or haven't haven't heard about. So the way you practice is that you look at a source of light. It doesn't need to be a bright light, like for example the candles, yeah, or it could could be just you know like a bright color. So you look at it. So that is a visual object. So a visual object can be also uh, an object in, in shamatha practice. And then you close your eyes and then you use the after image as your meditation object. And you just notice what happens. It will change, it will probably fade after a while. And then you can open your eyes again and keep it open for a while look at the light source or at the bright color again, and then you close your eyes again, and then you make that the object. And the instruction is pretty straightforward. What we are trying to do is to stay engaged with that object and noticing when you do something else, when you think about something. So you just keep it, you keep it in the foreground of your awareness. That doesn't mean that you try to block out the other stuff happening. Yeah? So there's still the breath and there's sensations in the body and there's maybe some instructions, I say. And they can all happen. There's space enough there. It's not like this. Yeah? And I will say something about after the meditation about this. But it's not like this, that you kind of close your mind. It's not concentration. Concentration is something else. It's an openness... And everything can come and go, even the thoughts, they can still happen, and other sensations, pleasant and unpleasant. You just keep that after image of the color or of the source of light in the foreground. So that's it. Yeah. So let's play with that just for 10 minutes. So if you, you know, look at a light source or at a bright color, I mean, after images always happen. You actually if you just look at me and then you close your eyes, then there will be an after image. So it doesn't matter what you look at. So you, you do that for a while and you make that 
the meditation object, the visual image. So you keep it. Of course, peripheral awareness is open. It's not that you just see the, the thing which you keep in focused awareness. Yeah? And then when you think, when you feel the time is right, then you just close your eyes. And you notice the after image. And you keep that. And then if it fades away, then you might either shift to another color or movement within that space, that dark space or that vibrant space in front of your eyes. And if you feel like, you can also open your eyes again, looking at a light source. Stay a bit embodied, yeah, so... Just explore that darkness in front of you or that vibrant space in front of you. And keep an aspect of that in the foreground. If tension arises, like you in the shoulders or in the belly, and you soften. So it's very important to keep an eye on a general relaxed body, heart and mind, so that we don't bring effort or tension into the practice. There can be a bit awareness of the breath also in the background and peripheral awareness. But the main thing is the after image. Softening shoulders, belly, face. Also the eyes are soft. One of the factors which keep you engaged is curiosity. So if you become curious, fascinated by the meditation object, then
it becomes more and more easier to stay engaged. And notice how it's possible to keep the after image in the foreground. And at the same time, there's a lot of other stuff happening in peripheral awareness. Returning and then resting. Just notice how it's possible to be effortlessly in contact with the meditation object. So that is uh, shamatha with object. So now it's easy to kind of, through a little shift, to become aware of the conscious space within which this image is held. To see if you can shift a bit. Shamatha with object. And then a shift into awareness of the conscious space within which the conscious darkness within which this image is held. within which all experiences held. The vastness 
so we can become aware of the vastness. And that vastness is aware. It knows. It's present. And then you can shift again back to Shamatha with object. So you bring the after image to the foreground. And then again, you can let go into the vastness. That is a bit threatening or something holds your back. That's a good sign. In that way you can, within one meditation session, combine a little shamatha with object and awareness of awareness practice. We can appreciate that whatever your experience is right now, maybe something else comes to the foreground, you know, something unpleasant, that all of that is happening within awareness, within that vastness. It's all happening in the same space. And the practice of shamatha without object would be to relax into an open, choiceless awareness. So you, be, you, you become aware of the whole field. There might be something into the foreground, but you don't choose it. So you have shamatha with object, where you focus, you hold something in the foreground, you have open choiceless awareness, stepping back into panoramic awareness, and you have awareness of awareness. Becoming aware of being aware, being conscious about being conscious.
test. Working with the after image uh, is you know, something interesting to do, and you could do it by fire, or you could uh, light a candle. It's a quite magic practice. Easy for some people because it's somehow fascinating, kind of something new to explore. If you are a fundamental breathing meditator, then probably after some years you get really bored by it. And if you are not safe in your body, and if you're not safe in your breath, then it's even not really healthy or helpful to have the breath as your main meditation object. If you have experienced trauma, then the breath is not the best object to begin with. It's one of the, one of the factors which keep you engaged with the object is that you like it, that you're curious about it. With discipline, kind of trying to force your mind to stay with an object which is connected with anxiety, that's not going to work. That will be very frustrating, very frustrating meditation practice. So that's one thing in the practice of shamatha, is you know, to explore what kind of object of the five senses and the mental object, uh, the mental consciousness, what, what speaks to me? What, where do I experience joy or curiosity, aliveness? For some people that is touch. For some people that is music. For some people that is sight. For some people that is taste. For some people it's movement. And none of these objects is some, somewhat more holy or uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily need to be a pleasant object because sometimes an unpleasant object is, uh, you know, is particularly if it just keeps on coming into the foreground because it wants to be noticed, it wants to be loved and uh, healed, yeah, so then then one can use a, an unpleasant uh, meditation object, particularly if you have understood that uh, non-judgmental awareness in itself is healing. 
So that's one thing to to explore. And some some sometimes you probably hear the teaching is good to choose one object and to stick with it. But um, and that's what I called flexible awareness. But uh, it makes also sense. It, it makes sense what they say, but it makes also sense to be flexible and curious, and to be able. For example, you want you you want to do your breathing meditation, and your neighbor is vacuum or uh, renovating. So, and then the sound comes to the foreground, and you are doing your breathing meditation. So, and then there's that conflict. And the sound is being experienced as a disturbance. Because you insist on the way to meditate is to be, to be aware of the breath. <clears throat> so, and that drains you. That kind of meditation drains you. It drains your vitality. It's exhausting. It's frustrating. So flexible awareness means here to, when it's appropriate, not like jumping around, but when, it, when it's appropriate to say, okay, I surrender. I can cultivate shamatha with the noise. Uh, the same as when you are doing your breathing meditation and uh, physical um, and unpleasant, for example, like a pain, a pain in the body comes to the foreground. So instead of insisting on the primary meditation object, the breath, just shift and make the physical pain, the physical discomfort, the meditation object. Or you experience something like delight, joy, bliss is arising. That's a fantastic meditation object. Feeling good is a fantastic meditation object. Movement is a very good meditation object for many people, dancing, uh, to, 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 use, to use things you like as your meditation object, not what other people tell you you should meditate upon. So then, peripheral awareness. So some people have this idea that the focused meditation means it's like this, and then there's only the breath. That is not a very, uh, very helpful way to think about meditation. So there's focused awareness, and there's peripheral awareness. So. Let's say I take this cushion as my meditation object. It can be the breath, it can be... So let's say this cushion is my meditation object. So 
I bring it into the foreground. So that's focused awareness. The thing with focused awareness, it is focused awareness which is able to investigate, analyze the object. So for vipassana practice, vipassana practice can only happen within the focused awareness. It can be only happen with one object. So what happens now when I use focused awareness to keep that cushion in the foreground, which is quite boring, I should have used you. <laughs> but uh, So that I can investigate into this cushion. But that doesn't mean that you disappear. You're still there. You can do your thing. Peripheral awareness, open, relaxed, and some information is coming in, but it remains kind of not analyzed. So that's peripheral awareness. So if I now would try, because there's sound, there's pleasant and unpleasant sensations, there's thoughts, if I would try to block that all out, like this, with concentration, then I undermine vitality, I undermine, I undermine my joy, and it gets very boring, and then I get this signal, it's time to fall asleep. Danes. Whereas I'm sitting here, open, there's aliveness, there's brightness, I'm completely relaxed, I don't hold the object like this, and then if I would like that object, if this object is very beautiful or fascinating for me, it's a delight to keep it in the foreground. So now if I would be able, and this is quite easy if, it, if it's a if it's a, an object, I'm. I mean, I guess I could. Myself, I could. I think convince myself that this cushion is the most beautiful cushion, and it's really fascinating to be with it. And yeah, it also. I mean, and that's some teachings. The purpose of some teachings is that you know to make the meditation object meaningful, so that that the different teams in your in your mind in this network of mind, kind of joy. It's called unifying the mind right? in the shamatha, uh, on the shamatha part. So that the, the teams, the different teams, they, they join this project of investigating the cushion. Yeah. So if I would be able to, uh, for the length of a meditation session, like let's say 15 minutes, I would be able to keep the cushion in the foreground of my awareness without losing it, yeah, without, uh, without it drifting into peripheral awareness, then I have reached the fourth stage of shamatha. Yeah. So, and then there's a possibility. So, what happens when 
when when you do that, you know, your mind calms down. So if you have boiling water mind, then that starts to settle. Yeah? Because when I do this, I start to worry about how Luna is. I keep that. I keep that engagement with the cushion. <laughs> it's such a beautiful cushion. The color, the texture. Yeah. So what happens then, and the purpose of shamatha practice is to create this the field to create the possibility then to become curious about that which is aware of the cushion. So I, I can shift. Get the awareness of the cushion. Where does it come from? What is that? And then I start the practice of exploring consciousness itself, exploring awareness itself. So, any questions? Is there a question online? Not, uh, Not yet. Yes. You mentioned being curious about the meditation after. Mm. When you practice peripheral awareness, what about being curious about whatever pops up for like for a moment, like seeing it and then mm. is should you also cultivate a curiosity to all the things I, that pop up? No, in the practice of shamatha you give yourself a pep talk that that person that that person or that that object that is that which you want to stay engaged with so but in the case and that's the wonderful thing also i mean peripheral awareness has this benefit of keeping a vitality a brightness and aliveness and it's the antidote towards tension and and uh, frustration but it also opens the possibility then to make a bit of a decision, like if now someone here would freak out, symbolizing a part, an aspect of myself, then I have the possibility to shift and bring that into the foreground. But you try to lovingly ignore, as long as it is appropriate, everything else in this room. Because otherwise, you would you would start to jump around. Is that answering your question? Yeah, I, I think so. I just have a tendency to meditate the the or I had had earlier the focused way so I think a practice for me has been to 
actually be a bit curious to the things yeah, that so right. I don't yes. ignore them straight away. Yes, uh, right. So there is a uh, there is a benefit in um, understanding why it's probably working better if you keep peripheral awareness open and keep a bit of a yeah a bit of like let's say 2080 uh, no uh, like um, if if the power of attention would be limited like it's 100 percent and maybe like 30 percent on the object 60 70 percent on the other stuff yeah but what you are not doing is you bring it into the focus and investigate into it. It's difficult to explain. It's something to, is it like a journey? What is the balance here? And what is my style on this? I don't know how the, the, uh, the kind of focused meditation, how this worked out for you. Yeah. So if that is something you find wholesome, then don't listen to me. I don't know if this is, uh, this is something useful or helpful for everyone. It's helpful for me and it's helpful for other people, but I don't know if that's like for everyone like that. Yes. I have a question because I was just saying like you are curious about the object, you cultivate curiosity. And just in my mind that associates when you say curiosity, I think about oh what's inside the cushion? Where is it from? Who produced it? And there's like millions of thoughts coming when you like start questioning yeah. into it. And I guess that is not really what we're saying. No. <laughs> no. It's it's uh, so in in the in 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 the case of a visual object, the primary meditation object is what it looks like, mm. the qualities, the shape, the colors. So that's the that's the object, uh, and you you cultivate a, a loving ignoring of any kind of stories which are happening. So you kind of lose interest in in the stories. Yeah? That's that's easy said but difficult to do because uh, our mind is uh, more interested in the stories about life as than than life as it is. It's, it seems to be more real to think about where does the cushion come from and how much it is. Yeah, it seems to be more important. So that's uh, that's part of renunciation to kind of uh, lose interest, at least for the time of the meditation. But then it can be curious. Yeah, there is uh, initially it's fine uh, in the until the fourth state, uh, the fourth stage of shamatha, it's fine to have this kind of a bit of talk, yeah, like a bit of the, what I do in uh, in my guidance, like to, to talk to, to talk like that uh, to yourself. Uh, so it, it's 
it's a bit of interference, but you, you do that kind of talking in order to uh, to uh, to explore this capacity to stay engaged. So it's fine until the fourth stage if there's a bit of constructive guidance happening. And, and then from the fourth stage on, uh, that will start to cease more and more. Yes. So all week I have been training <laughs> to put my awareness on awareness. Um, and even that feels a little focused actually. Yeah. And a little like constraining. Mm -hmm. And and also it can you know, then I get more into space and up here than a little bit than feeling grounded. Um, mm -hmm. do you have anything about that? Mm, I think it's uh, yeah. yeah so uh, it's it's good to combine awareness of the body practices and the practice of awareness of awareness to to alternate or to um, to to bring to or maybe to start the practice with embodiment um, and. It's it's true. In the beginning, um, there might be too much uh, grasping or too much trying to find something or too much directing uh, when we become curious about awareness of awareness. So then it is a process of relaxing that more and more. Initially, There seems to be the sense that when we talk about awareness of awareness, that we talk about an object, as if as if awareness of awareness is just the normal kind of meditation, and the object is awareness. But that's not the case. Awareness is not a, an object. Awareness is the subject. You, you become aware, you become aware yeah, it's I mean, as soon as I say something, then I turn awareness into an object again. so you 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 recognize that you are the awareness, that you are the consciousness. It's not an object. There is no object in awareness of awareness. Initially, yes. So, if we use the if the if you use the flashlight as an example, so this is a flashlight. So, in shamatha with object, what we do is we direct the flashlight of our attention to the objects, breath, sensations in the body, visual image. Yeah. So that's the flashlight. So now, with awareness of awareness, initially, and that's where the effort comes from, 
it feels like we kind of take one of the light beams of a flashlight and turning it around and directing it back into the light. So we try to become aware of awareness with awareness itself. So we, we, we try to illuminate the light with the light. That's and, and that and there there can be there can, there can be the sense of like it's it can be very frustrating and in this you can circle for years. You can and and, and the shift and the shift has no causes so it has something to do with grace. It's, it's like something you can, you circle around and you try to bend the light. Awareness of awareness. Where is awareness? What is awareness? It, so, and it it could be that for a long, for quite some, and nobody knows how many years you have to do this circle of trying to become aware of awareness. The shift is that moment. So you try to do this. And it's, Awareness of awareness, so the light tries to, the light tries to recognize itself, and the shift is then, oh, shit, I am the light, and that's why I can't see it. The light is from where, from where the looking comes from, and I can't. It's not an object. I can't. I can't. I can't see. The light, the light does not need to be illuminated. It is already illuminated. It is already aware. It is already self-aware. So that's the shift. <sighs> Holy shit. What I'm seeking with awareness of awareness is that which is doing the seeking. I am what I'm seeking. And I always have been what I'm seeking. What I'm looking for is what is looking. What I'm looking for is what is looking. So what is it? What are you looking for? Peace, essence, love, unity, duality, God, yeah? Peace, all that stuff. Stillness, fulfillment, wholeness, oneness. <laughs> All that is what we are looking for and what we are using, or are we looking for Buddha and what we are looking, what we are using to look for the Buddha is the Buddha. That's why we can't find the Buddha. We are already what we are seeking. That what is seeking is what we are seeking. And that is the shift. And I have no clue how this shift can happen. In a way, it already has happened. Because you are already what you are. The, the, it, it's, already, it's already illuminating. We are just not appreciating it. We, we still believe that peace, fulfillment, fulfillment and love and oneness and non-duality is something we can we can understand something we can have, something we can grasp, something we are lacking. 
And, and that shift, wow, I am the light. And I always was. Yeah, that could be called uh, an awakening. Because in that moment, all, all seeking ceases. You got it. I mean, not you. <laughs> Because what you think you are is, is an object of that illumination. Everything what you are, what you are aware of, your personality, feelings, sensations, love, fear, all of that is known by who you really are. And it is already known by who you really are. So you you start to so so when you when you when you say I from from that moment on or in that moment when the shift happens, and initially that can be a, a short glimpse. <gasps> wow. I am the source of everything. So, I forgot what I wanted to say. <laughs> but, but it's a good start, uh, stop. <laughs>